Well, today we're going to look at the blessings of the fear of the Lord. And I'll give a little recap because for those who weren't here last week, somehow the back corner of this side of the church over here just disappeared. So welcome back. <laughs> we're glad you're here. Hope you had a good time. Um, but last week we looked at what is the fear of the Lord. And so before we get into the blessings of the fear of the Lord, I want to just give a recap of what the fear of the Lord is. And we talked about last week of how it's not a phobia. It's not to be scared of God, to be nervous of God, but rather to fear the Lord is to desire to please him and a, a desire, a cautiousness not to displease him, to stay away from things that we know God wouldn't be happy with. And one who is afraid of God, we looked at some biblical examples, but withdraws from God, pulls away from him. But one who has the fear of the Lord pulls into God, draws close to him, wants to be with him. That's a very key difference of having the fear of the Lord <clears throat> versus being afraid of God. We also mentioned how the fear of God and the fear of man is basically the same thing, but to different sources. Because when you're afraid of person or Sarah in the kids story call it the fear of friend for the young ones. You know, when you have that, you, you want to say what you know will please them. You want to not say what you know they won't like. You want to do what they'll like, so they like you. Well, the fear of God's basically the same. You want to say what you know pleases the Lord. You want to do what you know pleases the Lord. And you live your life in such a way that you're thinking about, will this please God or will this not please God? We looked at how the fear of the Lord is the beginning, and by beginning, think the foundation of wisdom and understanding and knowledge, how it's very important in our lives. And then we looked at how it affects physically, naturally, how we live here on earth. And, and I won't go through the verses, but we looked at several of them. It says it's to hate evil. The fear of the Lord hates evil or is opposed to it. The fear of the Lord causes us to treat people well, even when they can't see us. And when they can't hear us, if you want verses for this or to hear more, the message is up on YouTube at some point. You can look it up. The fear of the Lord causes us to respect others. And specifically, it says the elderly. The fear of God causes us to have a, a deep respect for other people. It causes us to want to wrong nobody. It causes us to want to avoid speaking evil and speaking lies. It causes us to turn from evil and rather to do good. And it causes us to seek and pursue peace. And I'm sure there are more, but these are the things that we looked at last week by way of very quick review. While the Bible is very specific about what the fear of the Lord is and connecting a whole bunch of verses together, it's very specific about the blessings that come on the life of somebody who has the fear of the Lord. And now we're getting into today's message. See, God is so good. He doesn't just tell us, do this, avoid this. This is how you should live. But he tells us, if you live in a way that you want to please me and you want to live for me, this is what will happen in your life. This, these are the sorts of things that I will do for you. He's a good father. In the same way, God says, the Bible verse that many of us learned when we were kids growing up in church, honor your mom and dad, that it may go well with you right? Here's the command, honor your mom and dad. But the purpose, the end goal is so it goes well with you. In the same way, he tells us to honor him. And in many different scriptures in the Bible, 11 specifically we're going to look at today, he says ways it goes well with us when we honor our God, when we fear him. 
So every single verse on this that we're looking at today is from either Psalms or Proverbs. There's a lot in the Psalms and the Proverbs about the fear of the Lord and a lot that we can learn. And I'm, I, this leads me to believe that King David had a great understanding of the fear of the Lord and that he lived it. And he also taught it to his son who wrote the book of Proverbs. So we're going to look at these 11 verses just in the order they're found in Scripture. No other particular order, but we'll start in Psalms and we'll work our way through. The blessings of having the fear of the Lord. The first one is in Psalms chapter 19 and verse 9. Psalms 19 verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. If you look up that word clean, it means pure. The fear of the Lord is pure. You don't have to put your hand up for this question, but have you ever gone for a time without washing? Now, when we lived in Canada, we took our youth group every year. We took them wilderness camping for three days in the middle of nowhere, literally, on a lake where you had to portage a couple times in in, a, in canoes and bring all your supplies. There was no shower. There was no any of that that we are used to in our comforts. And some people decided they would use some earth-friendly soap and they would wash in the lake. And some others of the youth decided it was great to go three days without washing. But by the end of that time, I guarantee you, we were a stinky bunch. See, washing purifies us, right? Washing cleans us and gets rid of the, the filth and the dirt. That is what soap is for. You know, the Bible says that God does this in our lives. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, or like washing soap. God, when he comes to our lives, wants to come like a washing soap. He wants to wash away the things that are impure, and he wants to work to make us pure. And this is what the fear of the Lord does in our lives. You also don't have to put your hand up for this, but have you ever lived with a guilty conscience before? You did something that you knew was wrong and you lived with it. Well, God comes to also purify that guilty conscience. He came to die for our sins on the cross so we can come and ask forgiveness for the wrongs we've done. We try not to do those things, certainly on purpose, but when we do, or if we make a mistake, he's there and he says, you don't need to live with a guilty conscience. You need to fear me. You need to come in repentance, change your ways, and I will, I will purify you. I will clean that from you. Now, it also says here that the fear of the Lord is clean and during forever. The fear of the Lord isn't going away. No matter what happens in our world, no matter how awful things get to look, the fear of the Lord is going to last forever and ever. And amen to that. And I believe even in eternity, when we get to heaven, God's creation there will still have a great fear of him, a great desire to please him, a great desire to worship him. We see some hints of this in the book of Revelation as we have a picture of that time when, when they just come before the throne of God to worship him. The fear of the Lord endures forever. Would you like to be clean and pure? fear God. The fear of the Lord is clean. That's number one. Number two is in Psalms chapter 25, verse 14. 
Psalms 25 verse 14 says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. The friendship of God is for those who fear him. King James translate that, for those of you who with your King James Bible, it says the secret of the Lord. And if you look up the original word, it has both of those thoughts. It's a secret counsel. So it can be the person you're in secret counsel with. It can also be translated the information you receive in secret counsel. Either of those things. So both translations would be correct. Those you are the closest with know you the best. If you were to ask my wife, she could tell you things about me that none of the rest of you here know. Now, why is that? Because she's my wife. Because she's my best friend, my closest companion here on earth. She knows a lot about me. Hopefully, she would keep some of those things private, you know. But you know a lot about who you are closest to. Somebody that you just have met a couple times, you know very little about. But the, this is what the whole concept, the whole idea of this, the friendship of God is with those who fear him, is that it's closeness to the Lord. It's that relationship with the Lord. The fear of the Lord draws us into him, into a close walk with him. I have King David here as an example in Psalms chapter 139. We're not going to read through the psalm, but the psalm is basically recounting David's friendship with God. And one of the most familiar verses in this chapter of Psalms, chapter 139, is if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. And we often use that to say you can't run away from God, which is true. You can't. But if you read through this psalm, the whole psalm is really a picture of David's relationship with God. He's not trying to run away from him. That's not the picture that he gives in the psalm. But he says in verse 17 of 139, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they're more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. I am with you. It's not, I can't get away from you. It's, I'm with you. And as we said at the beginning, King David was one who feared the Lord. And he had that close walk with God. Would you like to be a close friend with God? to have that close relationship with the Lord. Fear God. Fear Him. He gives that as a promise in His Word. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear Him. Number three is Psalm 33, verse 18. Psalm 33, 18, Behold the eyes of the Lord. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love. So the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. In the New Living Translation, it says, the Lord watches over those who fear him. That's the thought that they're trying to portray here. It's not like, you know, the eye that you can't get away from. It's the Lord is watching over you for your good. So it says, the Lord, that happens to the one who fears him. And if you look at the verses surrounding this one in the psalm, it talks about things that, that that don't work or that might not work to, to protect somebody. It says a king might not be saved by his army. A warrior might not be saved by his strength. A war horse might not save or rescue, but God can deliver from death and famine. So it points at the futility of some of the things that people put their trust in. 
And the point is, is wouldn't you rather trust in God as your defense than any of these things? Wouldn't you rather have him on your side fighting your battle than depending on human weaponry or human strength? Because ultimately, the battle is determined by the Lord. And then in Psalm 33, verses 20 and 21, a couple of verses down in this psalm, it says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. That's the perspective of the, the psalmist. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. And then he says, Oh Lord, we wait for you. Our soul waits for you. You are our help. You are our shield. We're glad in you. So would you like to have God, the creator of all, the one who holds the world in his hands, as Isaiah 40 says, the one who measures the universe with the span of his hands, as Isaiah 40 says, would you like to have him watching out for your good and protecting you? Fear God. That's what the psalmist says. This is a blessing of the fear of the Lord, having God on your side. Verse four, or number four, sorry. Psalms 37, 34, verse seven. Psalms 34, verse seven, number four. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Now we have a very real picture of this in the Bible with the prophet Elisha, where it actually happens. There was the military of Syria had come against him specifically they were upset because God was telling Elisha all their battle plans. And so they went to find this guy, this prophet Elisha, to, to do away with him. And we have this, this, it, this story. It tells it that they're surrounded by the armies of heaven, even though they're surrounded by the physical army of Syria. So Elisha's not worried at all, and his servant Gehazi is very worried. So he, the, Elisha asked the Lord to open Gehazi's eyes, to see the army of the Lord is on their side and they got nothing to fear. How would you like to have the armies of heaven for your defense? <laughs> Tremendous, right? And in fact, the angel of the Lord often in the Old Testament, I didn't look up this to see if it verifies that in this case or not, but it's often a reference to Jesus himself. He doesn't always keep the enemy from us. The verse doesn't say that, but it says he's always able to deliver us. He encamps around those who fear him. So the key to a delivery in our life or being set free in some area or protection in some area is fearing the Lord, living in a way that pleases him. Would you like to have the angel of the Lord there to deliver you from maybe whatever you're fighting, whatever you're struggling with? fear God. That is the key. Fear the Lord. Number five, in Psalm 34, verse nine, just a couple verses later, Psalm 34, nine says, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Lack literally means deficiency. So those who fear God have no deficiency. And we must be clear that in general, this is talking about the basic necessities of life, not necessarily the wants of life, although God certainly blesses people with much uh, at times. But this verse is specifically talking about not having a deficiency in some area. 
Many of the verses where this exact word, this word lack, or the word uh, deficiency is found are in reference to reasons why people are in lack. If you did a word search on that in the Bible, you'd find a listing of a number of verses that, that mention things like this. Laziness leads to lack. Selfishness leads to lack. It's that same word. Lazy talk instead of working hard leads to lack. Hastiness leads to lack or deficiency. Loving pleasure leads to lack or deficiency. Oppressing the poor and giving to the rich, either of these things lead to a lack or a deficiency. Not helping the poor leads to lack. Those are all verses that are found in the book of Proverbs, actually, if you want to look up that word lack and do a word search on your own. They're all there. But there are many things we can do that cause us to have a lack in our life or a deficiency. The Bible's very clear on that, and that means that every single one of these things is in opposition to living with the fear of God. So in other words, somebody who is lazy is lacking the fear of the Lord. Somebody who is selfish, as we heard in the story this morning, well, they're lacking a fear of the Lord. Somebody who is hasty or who loves pleasure or who oppresses the poor lacks the fear of God in their life. If we fear God, we will want to avoid these things. Now, the next verse after this one, which is in Psalms 34, verse 10, this is not the next point, this is still point five, clarifies that those who fear God will not lack any good thing. In Psalm 34 and verse 10, it says, The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Well, who determines what is good for us? Us? God, right? God determines what is good for us. And so it's making it clear in this psalm that God determines and gives those who fear him what is good for them. And this is kind of the balance, because are there people on earth right at this moment who love the Lord, who fear him, who don't have a meal right now? There are. And so we can't say, fear the Lord and you'll always have food on your table, because there are people who aren't living that right now. They fear God, they love him, but that's not their situation at the moment. But it says we'll lack no good thing. And we can't really speak on God's behalf for, for why he would let them go through that where they don't have that right at the moment. But we know that God is good. We know that. And right scrunched in the middle of these verses is Psalms 34 verse 8 that we have a really lovely song that we sing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right in the middle of all this, taste and see that God is good. Doesn't mean he gives us everything we want. It means he gives us everything he knows is good for his will for our life. And we fear him. We live for him. Would you like to have no lack of the good things that God has for you? No matter what that is, fear God. Fear God. Number six. Psalms 103, verse 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. So the steadfast love of the Lord is from 
Everlasting to everlasting. It's for forever on those who fear him. In the King James, you'll find that it says mercy. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. It, just, it simply means kindness. And we can't bypass the fact that God is righteous. God is just. God does what is right. And God has, even the Bible refers to as a righteous anger. God has to do what is just. But his anger is not on those who walk in the fear of the Lord. He continually shows them his mercy, his loving kindness. And he even passes his righteousness to children and grandchildren for those who fear him, which could simply mean it's more likely for the kids of the God-fearing to end up as God-fearing people. However you want to look into that. But would you like to be shown the steadfast love of God forever, the kindness of the Lord? Fear him. Fear the Lord. Number seven, Proverbs 10, verse 27. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the year of the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Now, we have to be very careful on this one, too, to say what the Bible says. It does not say the fear of the Lord makes you live a long life, but the years of the wicked will be very short. That's not what it says. Because are there people who love the Lord and fear him who die young? And are there wicked people who live a long life? Yes. So it's not the truth that we're learning from this verse. What it means, prolong means to add or augment. And shorten means to curtail. Now, who knows how long somebody is going to live? None of us, God, knows how long somebody is going to live. So when it says the fear of the Lord prolongs days, that means they may not necessarily live a very long, long life like we consider 90 or 100 or 110 years old. Wow, that person must really fear the Lord. But God knows how long they would have lived if they had not feared him. But when they fear him, it can prolong that Think of, you know, a wicked life versus a good life can prolong it. On the flip side, somebody who lives a wicked life may die younger than God intended them to die. Their life is curtailed. They may still live till 80, but maybe God wanted them to go to 90 or 80 and a half or whatever it is. That's God's part, not our part. But that's the thought here. It prolongs versus it curtails. It can also have this thought for prolonging. You know, as we said, some people fear the Lord and yet they don't live a long, long life. But many times they get more done in their short life for the Lord. All the time, actually, they get more done in their short life for the Lord than somebody who doesn't live for the Lord gets done in a long, long life. And so prolongs days or adds to days can mean they get a lot done in a short amount of time in their walk with the Lord. And he prolongs that. Even though it's a short amount of years on earth, he prolongs what they did for him, how they live for him in that time when they fear him. Really, the thought of this verse is living your life in a way that counts for eternity. Do you want to live your life in a way that counts for eternity? Yes, I do. Fear the Lord. 
Live desiring to please God. Number eight is in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. One has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Confidence means a refuge, security, assurance, hope, sure, or trust. All from the Strong's. And it really speaks of our attitude. It speaks of not lacking or not having fear, not lacking peace. Those who fear God have an assurance, a hope, a trust that God is in control, even in difficulty. Those who do not fear God tend to have a lack of that, a lack of peace, a restlessness, an uncertainty. Those who fear God may not be certain about what has happened, but they're certain of one thing, that God is their heavenly father and he's a good God and they can trust him. And that gives them that confidence. It also says his children will have a refuge, which speaks tremendously to me as a parent. And for those of us here who are parents, God gives us as a promise to those who fear him. Their children will have a refuge. Maybe you're like me and you're raising young children in these days, looking around going, our world's not looking very good at the moment. And I'm raising young kids who are going to be growing into even worse situations than I'm in right now. This verse can bring peace and security to you as parents raising kids right now. The best thing we can do for the protection and safety of our children is to fear the Lord. That's the best thing that we can do for them and to walk in his ways. And it brings a refuge and a confidence to their life. That's a promise from God. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Would you like this? Fear God. Fear God. Number nine, Proverbs 19 verse, or sorry, Proverbs 14 verse 27. Proverbs 14, 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. It's a fountain of life to keep you from the snares of death. Now, a snare is a trap. It's meant to catch prey. A couple years ago, down at the pond, we had muskrats that were coming and eating the bank of our pond. And we were worried they were going to dig a hole all the way through the bank and we were going to lose the pond. So we set traps. They didn't work. But they were traps meant to to catch those animals to remove them. That is what a, a trap is. It's meant to catch, to harm. We are the prey for the enemy of our soul. He would love nothing better than to catch you and to snare you. The Bible refers to it and says that he wants to devour you. We don't need to fear that, but that is his goal. You can't devour what you can't catch, right? That's what this verse is saying. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn from the snares of death. A snare is a hidden trap. So the fear of the Lord will keep you from the hidden traps that the enemy tries to set for you and and, and if he can't catch you, he can't devour you. The fear of God keeps you from that. 
It's a fountain of life to keep you from that. The fountain is a picture of abundance or continuance, right? A fountain is constantly flowing with lots of water. When we fear the Lord, we continually avoid those snares and God leads us in his way of life and away from death. Would you like to avoid the snares of the enemy? Those can be very practical things, things that you know you shouldn't get into, but that are enticing for you, that are a downfall for you, and you know it, or maybe you don't know it. But the fear of the Lord can keep you from that, from those things. Fear God. Number 10, Proverbs 19, verse 23, says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Whoever has the fear of the Lord will rest satisfied and will not be visited by harm. So this one goes right along with the last verse about leading to life and away from harm or away from evil. It's a very similar thought. It also mentions satisfaction, which literally when you look it up means to be satiated with, completely filled or soaked with. And that brought the thought that we talked about recently, is God enough? When we have the fear of the Lord, God will be enough. He will be our complete, our satisfying. We'll be satiated with him. So that song says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. That's what the song is talking about, that God is enough. We fear God. All this earth stuff, while we live here, while we do our jobs, that really doesn't matter as much as eternity and as much as our God. He will be enough. Would you like to rest satisfied in the Lord, to be content with God? Fear him. Fear the Lord. Finally this morning, number 11, the final verse from Psalms and Proverbs on the blessings of the fear of the Lord is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. Proverbs 22, verse 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. That's out of the King James. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And we're not really going to say anything else about this except God brings blessings on those who fear him, whatever God deems to be good. But would you like the blessings of God in your life? Fear the Lord. Fear him. And this brings a question for conclusion. After, you know, this is a bit of an abnormal sermon talking about the good things that God will do for us. Do we pursue the good things or do we pursue God? Right? So we look at all the benefits of, but that doesn't mean we really pursue the benefits. We pursue the Lord himself. That's our goal. That's our purpose. You know, it's the right answer. It may not be easy to live that way necessarily, but one way or the other, the right way, the right thing to do is to live in the fear of the Lord, to pursue God. Now, I have one final verse to conclude with this morning, to conclude the, the two-part series, what is the fear of the Lord and the blessings of the fear of the Lord. And that is in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 3. It says in Isaiah 11 verse 3, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Make it your delight. Say, Lord, I want to please you. I want to live for you. Help me to want nothing else as much as that, that I would live your will, that I would live your purposes. Lord, 
Help the things on earth to grow strangely dim. Help me not to love the things of this life more than I love you. It's easy to say those words. Sometimes it's hard to live that out practically. And God brings us into situations that if we would open our eyes, he'll make it known to us if we love the things of life more than we love him. Delight in fearing God. Live desiring to please him and avoiding anything that you know displeases the Lord. If you know it displeases him, say, Lord, keep me far away from that. I want to live to please you. And let's close in prayer. Lord, help us to keep our gaze fixed on you. Help us to live with eternity in mind. Help us to fear you, to do the things that we know please you, to walk in close relationship with you, to want to spend time with you more than anything else here on earth. I pray that things in our life would not detract and distract us from you, that the snares that are set to pull us slowly away from you, that we would turn from them, that we would be aware of them, that you would remove them from us. And Lord, if we've been caught in one of those snares and we know it, Lord, help us to repent and to say, Lord, that should not be more important than you. I want to turn from whatever that is, Lord, and I want to live for you and I want to fear you. May that be our hearts cry this morning. Help us to live our life in in a fear of you, a reverence for you, a great and deep respect to want to live exactly how you desire us to live and really to want to just be in that close relationship with you. That's what it's all about, that we would be close to, and, and, and close relationship, a close walk with you while we're here on earth. And we just bless you here in your house this morning. In your name, amen.